In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Christos Anesti, Christ is risen. Today is the second Sunday of the joyful 50 days. There are seven Sundays in the 50 days, 7 times 7, 49, plus 150 for the Sunday. And the first Sunday is Thomas Sunday, the minor feast in the church. The last Sunday is Pentecost. And in between the Thomas Sunday and Pentecost, the gospel of each Sunday of the 50-day period contains one of the famous expressions of the Lord, I am. I am. So this week we saw that the Lord is, I am the bread of life. Next week, the gospel from John chapter 4, the Samaritan woman, I am the living water. In the next week, the following week, I am the light of the world. The following week, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the last Sunday, the sixth Sunday, a little different, I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. So the theme of these Gospels, of the 50-day period, focus on the idea that Christ gives us new life. That's the idea of the resurrection. I was dead in my sin, but now I am alive. And the Gospel of today teaches us how we can experience the power of resurrection. The Gospel of today is from John chapter 6, verses 35 to 45, so it's 11 verses. And in these 11 verses, there was an expression that was used several times. I'm going to read you some verses and to see if you can hear the expression, if you can pick it out. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Verse 37, And all that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. Verse 44, No one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws draws him, and I will raise him at the last day. The gospel of today is about, so you didn't get it, coming to the Lord, coming to the Lord. And the, the gospel of today gives us instructions on how we can come to the Lord. In order to come to the Lord Christ, we must, number one, be drawn by God the Father. Be drawn by God the Father. No one can come to me Unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. What does it mean to be drawn by the Father? On the surface, this verse is very confusing, and maybe might even be problematic to some. And you might say, well, God, do you just draw certain people and then the rest? And Ishmana, like, and the ones that you draw, then, like, the Lord said, they can never be cast out. I will never lose them. So what about the other peoples that you didn't draw? And so you might think of it like a deck of cards. Draw a few cards, and I drew a few cards, and then never made the other, the other cards. That's okay for paper cards, but it's not okay for people. If I said, oh, I draw you and you and you, and then the rest, just, they're sent for hell, that's very problematic. But God doesn't just draw certain people. He draws all of mankind. Because, as was written in the Gospel of today, 
that God desires the salvation of the world. That's why this is what mm, the gospel says, and this is the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son believes in him and may have everlasting life and will raise him at the last day. One Bible commentator, I liked what he said. He said, you show sugar to a child, you show him a piece of candy, and that candy draws children, right? If you bring a green branch, he said, if you bring a green branch to a sheep, the green branch draws the the sheep and so they are enticed by the food so one meaning of draw when the father draws us means to entice us saint john chrysostom he said everywhere he makes a mention of life everywhere in the gospel he makes a mention of life for we are drawn by the desire of it into you want to issue or don't want to issue we want to live so we are we are drawn by the desire to live and he says there is nothing sweeter than sweeter than this life in the old testament St. John Christus says, In the Old Testament, indeed, long life and many days were promised. But now is promised not merely just a long life, but endless life. At the same time, he also wishes to show that now he revokes the punishment produced by sin by remitting the sentence of death and bringing in eternal life, contrary to the decree of former times. Many were drawn to, like, if I asked you, what drew you to America? You'd say, we came to America for a better life for our kids. People were drawn to certain areas, maybe because of jobs or money. People are drawn because of the freedom and the culture. Some people are drawn to certain areas like the South because they have low taxes and nice weather. These things entice us to, to go to certain places. And similarly... God has enticed us by promising us eternal life. And if you will immigrate, and if you will do all of these things for worldly things, how much more should you be enticed by the heavenly things? The fear of death, the fear of death should entice us or draw us closer to God. The consequence of sin if I think about sin in my life, this should draw me closer to God. The goodness of God, when I look at God, I see how good He is, this should draw me closer to God. When I see the forgiveness of God, and how God has forgiven me, and I'm not worthy of forgiveness, this draws me closer to God. The mercy of God draws me closer to God. All these factors should motivate you in your spiritual life. To motivate you in your spiritual life. Say, I need to live differently. But the drawing that the Father does to us is, just, is more than just enticing us. It's, it's more than just putting sugar or something sweet in front of, uh, of us and saying, come have this sugar. No, the enticing and the drawing is more powerful than that. There is a force to this drawing. There is a force. There is a push to this drawing. And on the Feast of Resurrection, I spoke to you about marriage. And I told you how marriage is between, into Fakrin, between two comparable people, two comparable parties. And that's why we said you can't marry your dog, because dogs are not comparable with you. But God, if we are married to Christ, that means we are comparable to, to Christ. 
And we said, and I was thinking, if God is so high, if God is so high, and we are dust, how are we comparable to, to Christ? How? How are we comparable to God to be married to Him? So what God did in His wisdom is the Father sent His Son down to the earth. But even when Christ is on the earth, Christ is still God. I am still dust and man and full of sin. And there is still a gap between us. So what Christ did for us is He brought us up and raised us up. He drew us in. The Father drew us in and carried us. And that's why I love the, the picture of the good shepherd, of the shepherd carrying the sheep on his back. This is what Christ has done to us, carried us up. This is what the Father has a has desire for us, to draw us in. And that's why I love what we pray in the, 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 the litanies of the third hour. There was no way to bridge this gap. The only way to bridge that gap is that you were drawn in. The only way to be invited to the wedding feast is you get the invitation. You can't come if you're not invited. And this is what Christ has done and God the Father has done for us. And that's why, the, like what we say in the litanies, he says, With a compassionate eye, O Lord, look at my weakness, for shortly my life will end, and in my... Do you in my in, uh, and in my deeds I shall have no salvation. My deeds they can't. There's still a gap. So how do I bridge this gap? Is that I am drawn in. I am carried. And I am pulled in by the Father. And that's why the church fathers, when they were commentating on this verse, they said, "Faith in Christ is no ordinary thing. It needs an impulse from above." You can't just believe. You know, you need to be drawn in. It needs this draw from the Father. And that's why when the Lord Jesus Christ asked St. Peter, Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter responded saying, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. What did the Lord say to him? He said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But my Father has revealed this to you. My Father has drawn you. My Father has given you this. And there's many other examples. I could give you many other examples of this. You can check Matthew 11. The Lord Jesus Christ, He says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, for you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent, and you have revealed them to the, the babes. So the Father is drawing people in. Yes? And this is a very beautiful like, idea that the Father gave to the Son. The Son cleansed us, purified us from our sin, filled us, allowed us to be vessels for the Holy Spirit. And then what the Son does is He takes us back and says, Here you go, Father. They're beautiful, aren't they? They're very nice. That is the path of salvation. That's why He's the High Priest. And then He takes us with and presents us to the Father. I want you to consider another image for this drawing. This drawing. Consider a very strong, like, stationary magnet. And the magnet has two poles, North Pole and the South Pole. And around the magnet is what's called a magnetic field. And when you bring another magnet close to this magnetic field, it can do one of two things. 
Either if the magnet is aligned with the polarity, it will be drawn in. It will be pulled in. If the polarity, if the orientation is messed up, it will be repelled. This is the drawing that the Father gives to us. He is pulling us in. But we have a choice of how we want to be oriented. Are we going to orient ourselves with God according to His will? Then we will be pulled in. But if we are rebellious, if we reject the will of God, then we will be repelled. And actually we will be like, no. And that's, what, that's why they crucified Christ. People crucified Christ. They were repelled by God. And even in Romans chapter 1, when they were giving themselves into sin, it says God gave them up. But that's not drawing. <laughs> that's, that's repelling. And that's casting out. And even in the Gospel of Matthew, he says, Lord, Lord, we did all of these things. He said, depart from me, you who do lawlessness. And he cast them out. It depends on how you are oriented. Are you oriented according to the will of God? You will be drawn in. If you are not oriented to the will of God, then you will be repelled. The second way that we can come to God... We said it's like the magnet, how it approaches. How can you approach the Lord Jesus Christ? You have to approach the Lord Jesus Christ with humility. With humility. That's the way to orient the magnet. If someone comes to God with a humble heart, as we say in the, in the psalm all the time, a broken and humbled heart, God, you shall not despise. And St. Augustine, in his commentary on this gospel, he goes so deep into this concept of humility. He says, the soul departed from God because it was proud. Pride casts us out, but humility restores us. And he said something else so beautiful. He says, the Son of God humbled himself for you. The Son of God humbled Himself for you. And, and this is what we were speaking about in the idea of marriage. Remember God from on high? He humbled Himself for you. He says, it might shame you perhaps to imitate a humble man. And if you, if you imitate a humble man, that's kind of shameful. But he said, at least imitate a humble God. At least imitate a humble God. And this is the proof of his humility. I came not to do my own will, but the will of him that sent me. You see, a prideful man, a prideful man, a prideful man does his own will. He doesn't want to be told what to do. He does what he wants. But a humble man denies his will to do the will of to do the will of God. That was the problem with the rich young ruler. He came to Christ. He came to Christ. He was drawn, if you will, by the concept of eternal life. And he said, good teacher, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? The problem with the rich young ruler was that he didn't approach Christ. He did the first step, but he didn't do the second step. He didn't come with a humble heart. And he came with his attachment to riches and his pride and his love for the world. And the love of money got the best of him. 
And that's why when the Lord told him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Come and follow me. Come, follow me. He went away sorrowful, sorrowful, because he had great possessions. When we come to the Lord, are we like the rich young ruler? Or do we come with a humble spirit, ready to deny ourselves, ready to deny our will, ready to obey the scripture? That's why we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. Otherwise, we will come to the Lord and we will leave sorrowful, sorrowful. The, the last one that I want to speak to is, we were drawn by the Father, we must approach the Lord humbly, and lastly, we must come to the Lord seeking rest. Seeking rest. The most famous, one of the most famous verses in the Gospel, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The Lord offers rest to the soul. That's why I love St. Augustine today. We're going crazy on St. Augustine. He said, our heart is restless until it rests in you. In this world full of tribulation, the world that's full of heartache, and the world that has a lot of evil in it. Has a lot of problems, lots of mashakil. But at the same time, this earth, as we say in the liturgy, heaven and earth are full of your glory. So the earth has evil, and the earth has glory the same place and even we say it's full of your glory but uh, these two remind me of two tables if you will two tables that you can eat from do you want to eat from the table of evil or do you want to eat from the table of of glory actually there's a very like impressive concept like in the old testament there's something called it's called the bread of grief, the bread of affliction. the bread of affliction, Actually, the bread of affliction that is part of the Passover, like when when and when Moses is recalling the rules of the Passover to do, in the in the book of Deuteronomy, he says, "You shall eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread with it. That is the bread of affliction." So there is bread of affliction. And in another story, Micaiah, you know Micaiah, he was a prophet and he was prophesying to King Ahab and there was little like prophecy and who's telling the truth in the prophecy. We can tell you the story later. At the end of the story, King Ahab puts Micaiah in jail and says, put this fellow in prison and feed him the bread of Affliction and the water of affliction until I come back. And then even in the Psalms, until you pray the Psalms every night in the 11th hour, it says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who have built it have labored in vain. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen have watched in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to rise up after your sitting. You who eat the bread of... You who eat the bread of grief... While he gives sleep to his beloved. 
Manaha, there is bread of grief, there is bread of affliction, and then the gospel today is about bread of life. I wonder which table do you eat from? Do you eat from the bread of affliction or the bread of life? The bread of affliction, this is bread that does not satisfy. It is the bread which you eat and you become hungry again. It's the bread that does not take away problems. Actually, this bread is the source of your problems. It gives you grief. That's why it says it's the bread of grief. And you're sitting there thinking about, oh, what am I going to eat today? And what am I going to... It's the bread of grief. And money and all of the things, the bread of grief. And that's why the Lord, what He offers us is so much better. He offers us the bread of life. The bread of life gives us rest. And that's why our Lord said, He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. When I come to this table, I answer my calling. Like I'm answering the invitation. God is inviting us to this table. When I come to this table, I'm answering my calling. I'm discovering the purpose of my life. The bread of life tells you the purpose of my life. That's why I hope today we understand how to come to the Lord. We come to the Lord. How do we come to the Lord? First, we have to be drawn by the Father. Then we have to orient ourselves to come to Him humbly, come to Him in repentance. And then we come to Him to eat the bread of life, to find rest for our souls. And glory be to God forever. Amen.